Okay. Take your Bible and say, this is my Bible. This is my Bible. It contains the word of God. It contains the word of God. I am what he says I am. I am what he says I am. And I can do what he says I can and do. And I can do what he says I can I'm do. about to receive. I'm about to receive. The rich. The rich. Unfailing. Unfailing. And grafted word of and God. grafted word of God. Which is able to save my soul. Which is able to save my soul. And give me my inheritance. give me my inheritance. In the kingdom of God. In the kingdom of my God. My life will never be the same. My life will never be never, the same. Never, never the same. Never, never the Jesus same. Jesus Christ's name. In Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we want to thank you and bless you. We pray that you come and teach us your word. May your word enter our hearts, may it be fruitful in our lives. In Jesus' precious name. Everybody say a big amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Can you take your seat in his presence? The Lord has been kind to us uh, to bring us to the last Sunday of the month. It's a blessing. I think the Lord deserves some accolade here. We give God praise. Hallelujah. Amen. And uh, past week we've been learning about the call of God for our lives and the need for us to get into the work of the ministry. And we read, we read for our anchor scripture from John chapter 15, verse 16. That Jesus said, You did not choose me, but I chose you. And I appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. And that your fruit should remain. And that whatever you ask the Father in my name, He may give it to you. So it means that following the call of God is very important. God wants us to be fruitful. And the way to be fruitful is to become soul winners and get them established and get deeply involved with the work of God. The greatest task we could ever give ourselves to is the work of the ministry. And so God wants us to give ourselves to what concerns him most. Last week we learned about the fact that many are called. And we said, call to do what? Call to be fruitful. Then we try to define what it means to be called. Because that will help us be able to obey the voice of God better. And to be called, we said, means to be summoned distinctly. To be summoned distinctly. That means to be identified and called out by name. To be selected by God. Look at Ghana Black Stars. For all the people in Ghana, we select 11 people to play for every point in time. It's a call. 
And when they are called, it makes them feel very special. And so in this, all this universe, if God calls you to do something, you are very special. In fact, there are many people who try, you know, in various ways to influence, to be called to play for the national team. But you didn't influence God. God decided to choose you. And to be called, we said, means to be invited or appointed. It means to receive mercy. So, with all your failures and your difficult background, God chose you. He, he decided to overlook your faults and to call you. Isn't that blessing? That's why Bible says, God commended his love towards us. Even in the worst we sinners, he allowed Christ to die for us and called us to become his children and called us to share in his burden. To be called also means to be appointed for special purpose. And it means to be given charge over something. And God has given us charge over his work. And it means to be separated for God's purposes. So everybody, you must know that you've been isolated. You have been set apart. You are not ordinary. You have been set apart. You cannot be like all your family members. Is that right? Whatever your family members are doing, say, we are, we are, we are family members. You are not the same. You have been set apart. You have been separated. You are different. I didn't have an amen. When you see a fetish priest or a fetish priestess in a family, you see that the person is different from the others. The person doesn't dress like them. He doesn't do certain things like them. They don't comb their hair. They don't do many things because they have been separated unto their fetish. In the same way, too, when you are separated unto your God, you are different. So, when you are called, you are not ordinary. You have received grace from God. You have received some special kindness from God. You have received ministry from God. You have received a talent from God. You have received gift from God. You have received an office from God. What a blessing. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, today I want us to look at the characteristics of those who are called. When you are called, what are some of the characteristics? Number one, God calls failures. Exodus chapter 3 verse 11. If you feel that you have failed in life, you are called. Moses said to God, who am I? that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt. Moses, Ekachiri, they said, many wine, said, me kwa, na ma kwa ji, 
You see, Moses failed to deliver the people in the first instance. But God still chose him even after he had failed to deliver the people. Are you a failure in any way? Sometimes so me, I didn't go to school much. There are many people that God calls, they didn't go to school much. Some say my, my family background is we were failures. God says that's the reason why I called you. He didn't call you because of your qualifications. He called you because of your availability. So God calls not people with abilities, but he calls people who are available. Number two, God calls unworthy people. Still in Exodus 3.11, he says, And Moses said unto God, Who am I? The guy was feeling unworthy. So if you examine yourself and you realize that you are unworthy, your ability to overcome this sense of unworthiness will not let you be able to do the work of the ministry. So don't have, you don't have to allow the sense of unworthiness to stop you from obeying the call of God and going to preach. A lot of time God will send you to somebody, maybe go and speak to your boss and you say, I'm unworthy. He said, go and talk to that gentleman. He said, oh, look at yourself. So I don't think I'm worthy enough. But God called Moses, who was an unworthy person. In fact, it was his response to the call of God that actually made him great. It is when you give your little name to God that, and you respond to his call, that is when he makes your name great. Any great name that you have known today with respect to the work of the ministry Earlier on, their name was very insignificant. But as they began to serve God, God made their name great. Because God told Abraham, I will make your name great. So when you hear the name Billy Graham, it didn't used to be any big name, but... After following the call of God, that has become a big name. You hear Benny Hinn. Benny Hinn, it's a big name. You hear Mensa Otabel. And if you know this man, you realize that he came from a very humble background, but God has made his name great. Today, when his children are walking around, they seem to have an inflated name. But earlier on, their father didn't have a name. But when their father gave his, uh, himself to God's call, he has made his name great. 
God will make your name great. I said, God will make your name great. As you serve him. And you respond to his call. Number three, God calls those people who have been rejected. In Exodus chapter 2, verse 12 to 14. This was an account where um, Moses tried to separate two Israelis who were fighting. And he actually, you know, earlier on he had he had killed an Egyptian. And look at what he said. He said, and he looked this way and that way. And when he saw that there was no man, he slew the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. And when he went out the second day, two men of the Hebrews strove together. And he said to him that did the wrong. Why smites thou your fellow? And he said, who made thee a prince and a judge over us? Who made you a prince and a judge over us? Who made you a prince and a judge over us? Intendest thou to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? And Moses feared and said, Surely this thing is known. Earlier on, Moses had killed an Egyptian because these Egyptians were harassing the Jews. And then, so Moses killed the, 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 the Egyptian. And then later, the following day, Moses saw two Israelis who were fighting. And then he tried to separate them. And then he questioned the one who was wrong. Why do you do this? And then one of them told him, who made you a prince and a judge over us? That means that we are rejecting you. We don't accept your, your, uh, your uh, uh, interventions and whatever you are trying to tell us. So Moses was rejected by his own. Rejection people that God called. You see, even though they were rejecting him, God had called him. Rejection is part of life. It's a very painful experience. To be rejected means to feel disliked. To be disrespected and unwanted. Sometimes your family you may feel rejected among friends you may feel rejected that means that you have been you are not really wanted sometimes you get in the midst of somebody all of a sudden they keep quiet it means you are not you are not needed around when you say anything, you make a contribution, people make pull up their faces. Because 
But I want you to know that before you are accepted, you first be rejected. And there are patterns in the Bible which show that people are always first rejected before they are accepted. In fact, even in our own party politics, in politics, we find out that we reject people before we accept them. Mills was rejected before he was accepted. I think he was rejected three times or something, two times or three times before he was accepted. Third time before. You, you, you. And uh, President Akufuadu, our president, president, has been rejected. His own party rejected him. And rejected him again. And rejected him. And then he was accepted. He tried to stand for president of Ghana. He was rejected. And, and given all kinds of names. But today he has been accepted. So no matter people's description about you. Today, you see, today they will reject you, but tomorrow they will accept you. I said today you may be rejected, but tomorrow you will be accepted. Always know that that is how life goes. It is part of life journey. And can you imagine the creator of the whole universe, Jesus himself, when he came, he came, he realized that his creation was going bad he had come to save us and yet when he came the bible says in john 1 11, he came unto his own but his own received him not wow. his own jewish people didn't receive him in fact, his own family people even didn't accept him. His siblings only his own siblings only joined the team after he had been crucified. And that's why Bible even says that a prophet is right without honor, except in his own family. A lot of times family people even will reject you. You see, when God raises an important person in a family. <laughs> the world may accept them, but the people in the family say, Who are you to come and lord over us? Hey, family people. Uh, if there are any people that you must watch carefully, it must be the people inside because they'll be smiling with you, but they'll say, Why should you be raised over us? You'll be so surprised that you may think that your family people really like you to be elevated. You are lying. That is why there are, there are some things you must you must put them closely to your chest. Especially if it's in its embryonic state until it fully matures. Amen. Amen. You will be first rejected. Can and if people can kill your dream, they'll kill your dream. In the Bible, we'll find out that Joseph was rejected by his own brothers. Joseph, When he dreamt a dream, he said, Why are you the one? Should we bow to you? You, this little boy, 
You that you don't know how to, were we not the one who are bad for you? We give you food. Now, today you say you are going to be head over us. Oh, shut up there. But what God has purposed, He has purposed. Let us accept what God has chosen and accepted. And when you do that, you'll be at peace and you yourself will be blessed. Moses was rejected by his people. But was later accepted as a deliverer. Can I have an amen? Amen. Yeah, still talking about Joseph. You know, he's, after his brother didn't believe his dream, later they said, now they put him in a pit. And they sold him as a slave. But at the end of the day, the prophecy spoke. And they ended up still going to bow to him. And the one who was rejected became their savior. The stones that the builders rejected has become the, con- the cornerstone, the headstone. You that you have been rejected by your family, you become a very special person. Amen. Amen. Sometimes the person going to school, as he's growing, he doesn't even know anything. He's the one who is coming to, he's the one who will come and become a very exceptional person. Number four, God calls people who are not believable. People that you cannot believe in them. Exodus chapter four, verse number one. And Moses said, but behold, they will not believe me. Nor hearken unto my voice. For they will say, The Lord has not appeared unto thee. Yeah, sometimes there's nothing special to believe about you. But most of us are just ordinary people with nothing special about us. Amen. Amen. But in spite of this, God uses ordinary people like you and me. If you feel ordinary, then you, are, you qualify. I said, if you feel very ordinary, and if you feel disqualified, then you are the one who God has qualified. Amen. Amen. God calls and uses people who are not readily credible or believable. If you can raise up stones to worship him, then he can use you. Amen? Amen. That's what God can use you. People may not believe you. You may not look very special. Amen. Amen. A lot of times I've gone to places and as you're going to minister, they see you, you don't look special. You don't have a chip on your shoulder. You don't walk in a special way. So they are just wondering. But when you take the microphone, you begin to minister. You say, hey! The attitude towards you changes because they can see that God has placed something upon your life. You are not believable, but you'll be believed. <laughs> Amen. 
Hallelujah. Amen. Yeah. You are not believable, but they will, be, they will begin to believe you. People who look down on you, when they turn down, you will see them, you see them sometimes go to places, and after a while, you go there, nobody minds you, you are not anything. But when you finish ministry, you will see their pastors all lined up, kneeling down. You see people, you know, say, please, can we check you? I was, I was surprised. There's a, a city that I want to preach in Germany. And German kids, they, they are not interested in the things of God. Oh. They are not interested. But I was surprised that these kids, after I finished preaching, they said, please, can I hug you? Can I touch you? Someone say, please, can I touch you? Say, yeah, you can. T-. I seem like you're not a human being. Can I touch you? Can I hug you? These young people. I said, yeah, you can hug me. You can touch me. And then when I went, I was just getting get into my car. They all stood there and they shouted, hey! I said, me, Jonathan Ekubani. Yeah. You may not be believable, but God is going to use you. And God calls people with an inferiority complex. Exodus chapter 4 verse 10, New American Standard Bible. If you don't have a duty in a new living translation, Moses said to the people, Please, Lord, I have never been eloquent. Neither recently nor in their past. Nor since you have even spoken to your servant. As for me, I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. The New Living Translation says that I am not very good with words. I never have been and I am not now. And even though you have spoken to me, I get tongue-tied and my words get tangled. It means that when I'm, when I'm talking, it's like my speech is not complete. Me, I don't even know whether the people understand me or not. So you see, Moses had an inferiority complex. But God said, I have called you. And so as you are sitting here, maybe you feel inferior in a way. You say, me, I don't think I know how to pray. Sometimes when they say pray, after you finish praying, you say, did I pray well? Has it happened to you before? They say, when I was called, did I pray well? When I was called to read the Bible, did I read it well? How was my walking like? How was was my voice shaking? When they told me to sing, did I sing? Did I get my key well? Oh, you are the one that God has chosen. (laughs) Hallelujah. Amen. He calls the people who are, have the inferiority complex. You see, Moses was somebody who was always questioning God. God had invested so much in him. Trained him in the palaces of Egypt. But when he came to the time he had to do the work of God, he was giving excuses. There is no good excuse you've got to give in order to reject the call of God. No matter how you feel, 
God is still going to call you. Somebody said you may be born in the interior by the inferior, but you've been chosen by the superior. I said you might have been born in the interior where your, 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 the, your, your village name is not on the district map. Born in the interior by the inferior. But you've been chosen by the superior. Saul's family was the least, but he was chosen to be king. So in your in your in your your township, maybe your household is the smallest. Maybe the house itself has been split into four pieces. It's only one one quarter that is standing. That is your family house. And amongst your family, your, your, your immediate family is the lowest. And within your family, among your siblings, you are the lowest, lowest. So look at yourself and say, me, who am I? But you are the one who has been chosen. I say you are the one who has been chosen. And so when God, God always calls people with an inferiority complex. And do not give up on the call. Number six, God calls people who have failed at earlier attempts. In ministry. Exodus 5, 22 to 23. And Moses returned unto the Lord and said, Lord, wherefore have you, have thou entreated, wherefore has thou so evil entreated these people? Why is it that thou hast sent me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in thy name, he has done evil to these people. Neither has thou delivered thy people at all. So what he was trying to say is that the first time you sent me, Pharaoh didn't mind me. He didn't. My first mission didn't succeed. If if you send somebody and what you were supposed to do, it didn't work. Do you send him again? So why are you sending me again? Do you want you do you want me to be disgraced? God, I have realized that you want to disgrace me. That's the reason why you are sending me again. God calls people who have failed earlier on. But the Bible says affliction will not happen the second time. You went through something, but God is going to let you jump the head of this time. The one who defeated you will defeat the person. God is going to give you the upper hand. The enemy defeated you last year. This year you are defeating him. He defeated you last month. This month you are defeating him. He tried to put you down. But this time you will put him down. I see God giving you the upper hand. I see God is giving you the upper hand. Over every circumstance. You failed the exams the first time. This time you are passing. You married the first time. It didn't work. This time you are having it. You lost your pregnancy the first time. This time you are keeping it. You lost a job the first time. This time you are having it. You lost opportunity the first time. This time you are going to get the money. Whatever you lost the first time. 
this time God is giving you the upper hand. The first Adam failed, but the second Adam won over the devil. Both of them went through the same temptation of food. The first Adam was tempted by food and he ate it. But when the second Adam, Jesus, was tempted, he quoted him and said, The Bible said, God said, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Three times he tempted him, three times he quoted the word and won over the enemy. You win over the enemy. In the name of the Lord Jesus, you are winning. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Number seven, God calls people who are not eloquent. In Jeremiah 1.6, Jeremiah, he said, Then said I, our Lord God, Behold, I cannot speak, for I am a child. An eloquent person expresses himself very well. But I, the prophet Jeremiah knew that he could not express himself very well. And it's a common complex that people who are called have. Oftentimes you will listen to eloquent preachers. And you say, hey, when can I preach like this man? Has it ever happened to you before? So he said, the moment they tell you, today you are coming to give you a word of exhortation, say, me? The whole night you cannot sleep. You cannot even eat. Because you feel inadequate. And, and when you look at other people, the way they stand there and they preach, People who have preached for 10 years, 20 years, 25 years, 30 years, and above say, Hey, Pastor, do you want me to be going to be disgraced? No, this calling there, you are, I can do everything, but not go there. I'm not going there. You are called. Amen. Amen. Yeah. As a pastor for so many years, sometimes when they tell me, go and say something, I'm shying away. So, so far, my you match your friend, is saying, I don't like public speaking. But because I had to re- respond to the call, anytime I, I go and stand there under the grace of God, I'm able to say a few things. Not by might, nor by power, but by his spirit. No matter how well you have prepared when you are doing it, please always submit yourself to the Holy Spirit. Never go in your might. Even when you are going to speak to a little child, pray the Lord just anoint my lips. Let me speak a word in season to the, my hearers. So God calls those who are not eloquent. So don't be worried if you are not a good speaker. You know, you know Moses said he's, 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 he's a stammerer. That's the reason why he recommended Aaron to be his mouthpiece. 
And no one or power. Everyone saw by any casama for. And Jeremiah said, "Me, I cannot speak. I'm a little boy. I cannot speak." Jeremiah said, "Me, me, to me, casama ya bofra." Call those who have gone to Oxford and to the Harvards to come and do the speaking. But interestingly, God doesn't call those people. Because they shy away. They think, this and this, why should I be the one be calling? Let me go and do something higher. Supposedly. But the, the preaching of the word of God is the highest call. Oh, you didn't say a big amen. Amen. In fact, most Christians don't respect the work of God. But it is the best. It is the best work. You, you won't understand it. With time, as you grow older, you'll understand it. One day, I have a professor friend. And then he told me, he said, Ah, you people, you got it early. You people, you got it early. I said, He said, Yeah. You started very early. And look at all the year. He's, 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 he's in his 50s as well. Trying now to become a minister. Trying now to become. He said, you got it very early. I said, we're trying to draw your attention. But his mind was on something else. Then he said that you chose the right things. You chose the good things. I'm telling you. They said, you chose the right things. You chose the good things. And today, I go to, when I go to the university, I go and I see the professors and well, some of my mates and all those things. And when they see you, they realize that you really chose the right things on the right path. I'm telling you. Yes, they tell us. They tell us. They tell us. I have many of them. Many of them. I don't want to mention it. Many of them in government at various high places at the end of the day and some of them now are forcing I know one of the vice chancellors when you call him now he's in church call him at 12 he's in church call him at 4 o'clock he's in church call him at 5 o'clock he's in church yes in fact the vice chancellor at Cape Coast University right now too he too he's now he's a reverend professor yeah where are they they, they, this thing together after he passed here passed here passed here realized actually this is it this is it a former past vice chancellor of Cape Coast University, Professor Japon. He also, after he has done this, then he became a, a Methodist minister. After he realized that when all is said and done, Charlie, they work. I met an elderly, elderly lawyer who had traveled the world. Has every, when you go to his house, you say that this man has suffered everything. He told me, he said, I'm trying to get closer to God. I'm trying to, I'm trying to serve God. I'm trying to, uh, he's, he's, he's trying to push to serve God. That's why Bible said, remember the Lord in the days of thy youth. Amen. Amen. Number eight, God calls young people. Jeremiah 1, 6. Then said I, I love God. Behold, I cannot speak for I am a child because I'm a child. There are many young people who, who reject the call because they feel they are too young for something as noble as and distinguished as the ministry. But you see, God actually, if you look at Daniel and the three Hebrew boys, they were young people. 
Jeremiah was a young person. Timothy was a young person. Titus was a young person. Jesus himself was a relatively young person. Is that right? When he started ministry, he was 30 years old. If you are 30 years, you are, you are still a young person. In fact, the Levites were supposed to start ministry at 25 and finish by 50. So, young people, God is interested in young people. He likes people who have young blood, who can walk, who can move around, who can do things. When they're advertising cigarettes and drinks and coke, do they go and take some old whatever and all those things? They take young people who are smartly dressed with, you know, six packs. Sometimes they intentionally will remove their dress so that the, the ladies can see their six pack. One, two, three, four. Five, six, say, yeah, they will flex you just like that. You say, yeah. And worldly people, God also wants young people, handsome people, fresh blood, fresh boys, fresh girls to serve him. Amen. Amen. Yeah. And one of the things the devil also does is that he, he tries to disqualify the young people because the young people face a lot of temptations. Because of their sexual feelings, sometimes the, the sexual feelings make them feel unworthy. Most young people, most young people always have certain kinds of sexual desires every time they see. As, as the guys see the ladies, they are looking at their they are frontals and behinds and they are men say this one yeah this uh, young boys when you see them and they see girls passing you see them commentating are you getting me they see them commentating and then the sexual desires that go on in them makes them feel unworthy but despite those things still tell yourself that in the midst of your difficulty god is still calling you and as you respond to the call of god you'll be able to overcome those desires sometimes satan makes you feel unworthy because of some weaknesses but the bible says concerning elijah james chapter 5 verse uh, 16. Elijah was a man of like passion. He was, he was a man of like passion. James 5, 16 and 17. He was a man of like passions. That means that he had same passions. Some, he had passions. Read it. Elijah was a man subject to what? Like what? Passions. So all the passions that you have, he had it. So if you have sexual passions, he had sexual passions. If you had passions for food, he had passions for food. If you go thirsty, he grew thirsty. Whatever your passions are, he had it. But God still used him. So if the man had passions like yourself, and he responded to the call of God, then you too can respond to the call of God. Amen. Amen. And anytime that you have, the, the feelings come, all you have to let the enemy know is that 
My body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And that I have not been called for sin, but God has ordained me for righteousness and for his good works. Can I have an amen? Amen. So, God has called young people. I said, God has called young people. But a lot of times they think that they've got time, so they will push it and say, oh, When the after the call is for the older people. I, I thank God that I responded to his call when I was very young. In fact, for most of the things that I've ever done in life is for me to, just to serve God. From my secondary school days. I was secondary school. Preaching, preaching, preaching. So these like people say we are passing here, going to Mumbai, we are going to have social life. Social life is in Christ, and life has been good. You didn't Exciting, hallelujah. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a blessing. Can I have an amen? Amen. Yeah. He said, well, I think that. I have to be a person of dignity among the older people. Dignity is not one of the fruits of the spirit. It's the joy of the Lord. Joy is one of the fruits of the spirit. And, and interestingly enough, joy is found in young people. Yeah, young people, a lot of times you see that young people are more joyful than older people. Most, most older people, they, you don't see them smile much. The vicissitudes of life have shipped them so much. Every time you say, hmm. You see, I saw, I just saw a little girl over there. Don't you see kids? They feel very free. And they're walking around. And they're, 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 when you see, if you want to be happy, go amongst young people. And that is why when you see teachers who teach young people, they are always very buoyant. Their, their teaching makes them grow younger. Yeah. Their teaching makes them grow younger. <laughs> Hallelujah. Yeah. Because, because, you see, young people have got joy. So the, the point I'm making is that you need joy to do the work of God, not, not nobility. Amen. Amen. And if you check the scripture, it says, not many what rich, not many noble are, you know, are called. So you must have the joy of the Lord. The Bible says, and the joy of the Lord is what gives you strength. Without strength, you cannot do the work of God. For the joy of the Lord is my strength. And the joy is with the young people. That's why when you check through the Bible, you'll find out that God always uses young people. Jeremiah and all of them. Young people. So if you are young, it's, this is actually your best opportunity to serve God. Everybody, when you are young, you are not serving God. You are throwing away your best years. Your best years. Because you see, there comes a time where... Bible says that serve the Lord before the night comes. Someone say the night comes. And I will show you some scripture. Say it again. Amen. Amen. If at first it says, remember the Lord before the evil days come. 
And then in 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 John chapter 9, verse 4, Jesus said, I must work the words of him that sent me. While it is what day, the night cometh when no man can work. That's the reason why the Bible says that redeem you, you must redeem the time. Put your hand over there in that scripture and then read the scripture. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 to 17. Oh, thank you, Holy Spirit. Oh, some, some fantastic things are coming. He said, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. It means that you can walk as a fool. Redeeming the time. So I said, Redeeming the time. Because what? Why do you have to redeem that time? Because the days are evil. So say, the days are evil. So you must redeem the time. What does it mean to redeem the time? It means to buy out the opportunity, make the most of every opportunity. You must understand that to redeem the time is to use your little opportunity on this earth as much as possible. I think in Job chapter 14 or so, verse 5, it says that man born of a woman is what? Full of trouble and of a few days. And in Psalm 39, verse 4 to 6, the Bible also talks about oh, five to, uh, 4 to uh, 6, yeah, how transient our lives are. How frail, how little, how short our lives are. It's like a vapor. So it means that we have just a certain window of opportunity to become fruitful. Amen. Amen. If you look at women, you realize that everybody, when you take every woman from a certain age, uh, every female from age zero to probably about 30, 14, they can't have children. Is that right? Then after that, they have from that age to a certain age, which I, I can't mention. That is where, which becomes their flowering age. In fact, there's even a flowering age where you see that they, are, they begin to blossom. You see them become more beautiful. They develop adipose tissues. They look attractive, whatever. And beyond that age, you see that mm, dwindling effects are beginning to come in. Hairs are beginning to go back. Achims are developing. Things are happening. Now they will need accessories in order to enhance this. Uh, like the preacher said foundation so you see all the dust over the period all the difficulties of life has caused them to develop pimples and the pimples are created holes on their faces Eh? potholes and water manholes have been created and so for them to look nice now they have to uh, put in powder and think foundation and things and seal all the pores which are all nice this is when you see women, uh, all that you see, that is not it. Oh. You say, me peb, oh baby, oh, what hips, pa? Why she said, near man, oh, no. You, our person who hips, uh, hips, you know, 
But whether it is original, the hips you need here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you will see. So say hips you need. It's a pair behind. So how pair behind there? You see, you see, the person is going and say, it's a heavy duty. Please, I'm not describing anybody. Nobody. Uh, so nobody will share that we came to the church and the, the pastor was describing all kinds of things. But this, for real, for real, I, I really saw it. You know, where somebody married a girl, a lady, and like that. And, and the lady looking very beautiful. The, after the wedding, and then the lady started undressing. And she moved, hey, the wig. The hair was a wig, a woman eating a sako. Sako, right? All those things. Then he. She removed the tea. God, then she, ah! The girls saw that affect you. Hey! Like that. Then she removed the dress and then the, the breast that looked like sumptuous and succulent and delicious, he started to a toilet roll. That would be proper. No, no, no. I saw it on the dress. The toilet roll, they removed it. Then, you know the whites also, the foreigner, they can initially look like somebody who had hips. But I should not know it was part. She was straight. Then the guy started screaming in the room. Ah! Ah! He said, what, what I bargained for is not the original. In fact, that's the reason why before you marry, let the person be your friend. You see, when somebody is your friend, the person, be, no, they bring down their guard. You really know who they are. Yeah. You, know, so you must know the person. Don't see a girl in church or see a guy and say, this is a striking one. This, the, the, guy, the girl is very striking. I have targeted there. I, I, this is my arrow. I am going to shoot. Hey, you don't know what you are going to shoot. Yeah, don't shoot like that. Get close. There's a saying that if you want to marry in the village, try and choose Friday evening when the women are coming from the farm. Because that time, from working from Monday to Friday, you really see the old ladies. and really see the whatever. And so you, you know, you, you, you can choose. If you want middle age, you want to old, whatever, that is the time you can see. But in the morning, <laughs> I hope you get what I'm saying. Okay, so all I'm trying to say is that there's a window. Is that right? A window of what? Fruitfulness. And when Jesus came, Jesus had a window of just three and a half years to be able to do the work of God. So there is always a night time. Someone say night time. That is why Jesus said, I must work the works of God of him that sent me whilst it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. That means that the night hour comes when you cannot work. Amen. Amen. So when is your night time? When Seven ways in which the night comes. Number one, night comes by pregnancy. And childbirth. And this can relegate you to spiritual inactivity for a number of years. Ask the women who have, who have, who have children, especially younger children. Younger children. You will see that they have been they, they they have they have become quite inactive you you have to force in order to be active else you will you will become useless you are becoming what useless useless is not an insult that means that less of a use and it's because of the fact that you you have entered your night season 
Because your attention has gotten over onto your children. And a lot of time, you see, when you are a young lady, please serve God. Because when you marry, now you are supposed to be cooking for your husband. Eh? I know one lady. The time she has to come for evening meeting, the husband will call around 5 o'clock. He said, I want to take fufu and this kind of soup. I want to take with koto. Nga. Nga. And ka. And wa. Wa. Nga. Ka. Ka. Wa. All the. Uh, and, and, uh, so now he has, to, he has to go and look for She has to go and look for it. I'm telling you. Night season. Are you listening to me? I am preaching a real preaching to you. Night season. And this woman has to go. And meanwhile, she was just about preparing to come to church. And because of marriage, a man said, this is what I want to eat. And there are some men who will not even eat food that has been put in the fridge over there. Uh, fresh. Every day, you have to go to the kitchen. Fresh. Are you getting me? And it's not because they are bad people. They are used to it. They grew up with that. And so, changing it becomes difficult. So if you're a wife, you have to be smart. Amen. If you want to attend evening services and other things, you need to find out from your husband what you want to eat. Organize whatever. Maybe what you have to do is learn to chop chop all the things and put them down. You know, put them in the fridge or all. So when it comes to the real cooking, when you get home, you do it very quick. Within some 30 minutes window, you finish it. And then you set up his food, maybe put in a, a warmer and everything. So when he comes, uh, he can eat. Are you getting me? And there are times that some of the men who even insist that, sit by me and let me eat. You have entered your nice season. Sit by me and let me eat. Amen. That's how the man is. That is what you and you you must know. Listen, that is why listen. I didn't say that too. Delete it from my preaching. Delete it, please. The preacher didn't say that. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. But I hope you are following what I'm teaching you. Yeah. yeah. You no, know, no, listen. After being a pastor for some years, I've come to realize that many people come to their nice season. Very zealous, whatever, and all those. And sometimes I watch them. Then when they get pregnant, no, everything. That's the beginning of the end. And then when they come to church, you see every time. Yeah, baby, it's all concentrate. More than half of the message they don't they don't hear anything. And after that, they, their effectiveness is being equated to zero. Three S squared plus four X minus three is equals to zero. Not zero, zero. Uh, or zero qua. Zero. Amen. I, I hope you get what I'm saying. Okay. So Marriage and no childbirth can bring you into an inactivity for a certain period of years. That's why even sometimes there are some women when they start giving birth. In fact, when women start giving, normally they are not even supposed to work, so that they can have attention for their children. But because of the economy, that is why they have to go to work because they they must have time for their children. 
when the men go, why should the women also go? Who takes care of them? Because if you go and the woman too has gone, somebody else is spending time with your children, training your children. So you, the man, you must pay your wife to take care of the children. Amen. Give them salary. Give them allowances. Because if you are going to pay a nanny and all those things, hey, what a shock. shock. Amen. Amen. So for a period, you know, but you know, there are some, because of education and things, this day you can't also throw away the woman's profession and say, you are giving the, stop the work, sit at home. No, you must have a good negotiation first. Is that right? Yeah. Do not command your wife to stop her work. Amen. You know, then you to stop the work and stay at home. <laughs> because the child belongs to the two of you. Yes, Amen. Yes, so you don't command. You see, when you are a husband, you are, you are not the boss. You are the leader of the home. And so there must be jaw, jaw, not jab, jab. There must be negotiation. Amen. And let us say, oh, honey, there's this, 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 this. So what can we do about this? And then the two of you think as two adults, not somebody as a commander-in-chief giving instruction to your wife, stop your work. We all went to school. I have invested in my children. You two are, your parents have invested in you. Why should you tell somebody that you stop? Amen. Yeah. But when you negotiate, you find out that the person will say, okay, I will take up another job that will give us opportunity so that I can be, I can be around on and off and be taking care of the children. Is that right? Yeah. So the person will do it joyfully and not under distress and not under compulsion and not like the person who can And you are burdening the person so that the relationship will be enjoyable and not endurable. Can I have an amen? Amen. So, pregnancy alone. Look, some people when they, are, they are, can have very difficult pregnancy. Some of them they can be in bed for a number of months before the baby comes, and they are sometimes even when they give birth, some women can't even walk properly. You know, so when you have given birth and everything is fine, you have to learn to come and give thanks unto God. Amen. See, most of you, you just take pregnancy for granted. You just had sex and a baby resulted. No, it's not just sex. It's not because of how powerful your sperms are or your eggs are. It is God at work. Amen. In your life. God, God, the, the, the hand of God has, has been at work. Amen. And then you carry the pregnancy through the nine months. Not everybody is able to carry the pregnancy through nine months. So when it happens, you must have respect for God. Amen. 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 Have respect for God. In fact, not every woman can even carry a baby. That is why we have got surrogate mothers. Yes. And then, then you are able to give birth and the baby comes and you can hold your baby. That also you must give her. So thank God for pregnancy. Thank God for conceiving. Thank God for the pregnancy period. Thank God for safety of delivery. And thank God for having your baby. Now the night also comes in the form of a marriage to a person who opposes and prevents your Christian activities. 
wana de suo mu so betimi aba abra wa wari obi a ono no nya me so mu no onside onji entumu a obetimi aka waduma ahye i know one lady i went to a shop when we we were young in marriage and we're going to buy something from this mother's care whatever and then she was playing a nice christian music so i said where do you go to church he said i don't go to church now but i used to go to church and i said what happened he said well then she mentioned that she was a pioneering member of one of the big charismatic churches started mentioning names of the bishops and all those and i really knew that this lady was well connected playing the latest christian music but she was the third wife of a muslim guy an alhaji so the, the man goes on shifts in cultivation here, here, here. And so he said, The man comes to me at this day. And the man has bought her a small shop. She has a small shop with a, a, a small car. Aquala. You know. You know that, that's, a, that's the reason why. She has sold her Christianity. And she's married to somebody that she cannot go to church. That's why you have to be careful. Don't just marry anybody. Sometimes some of the men will stop you. Sometimes some of the women too will stop you. There are some bad women. Who will, who will stop you from serving God? They will put fire. They are, they are fire service, spiritual fire service. They will put water and your fire is quenched. Yeah, fire is quenched. So anytime before you want, marry anybody, want a person and say, me and my God, don't come between us. That is what I told you, Zuma. I said, don't come between me and my God. Because this, guy, this God has kept me. If it wasn't for this God, you wouldn't have met me alive to marry me. So if you are marrying me, join me to serve this God. But do not obstruct. Listen, God may kill you. There's a scripture like that. God may kill you if you try to stop somebody from serving his God. Sometimes you'll find certain people who are dead. You may not understand. Because they try to prevent their husbands or their wife from serving God. Say, if you are going to do that, go. Leave it so that the person can save me. Because God doesn't want any jealous people who are fighting with him. Serving. Amen? Amen? So you can enter your nice season by marrying, having a difficult marriage. John Wesley had a very difficult marriage. In fact, if he wasn't a strong man, we wouldn't have had Methodism today. When the man is praying, when the man is praying, the wife will go and hold the hair. Mercy. And be pulled, and you see, it was a white man. Uh -huh. I think it's like your head. Uh -huh. Hold the head. Make two wigs, no one. When I come in, they say, make two They are afraid for it. You see, this is not original. It's not original. <laughs> it reminds me of one day I was praying for somebody in London. As I was praying, I lifted my hands. Then the person was, was walking, had lifted the hands. As the person was going there, then I realized the person had held the hand like that. The wig has started falling. <laughs> Then the wig flew from her head. She had to quickly. Then she didn't. She was not concentrated on the prayer again. It was a wig. <laughs> what a shock! Oh, this world is a it's a very interesting place. Oh, yeah, hi, Hopa. Okay, are you here with me? Yeah. If your husband doesn't like God, your wife doesn't like God, you know, it's not easy. You know, sometimes he says, sit down. I did one, one lady. Sunday morning. That's why the man said, yeah, come on. Let's chat. But that's the day he's home. He wants to chat. The woman is getting ready. And the woman was active in church. 
very active in church. Has a role to play in church. And sometimes Saturday night, that's the man say, follow me to a party. And they go to a party, 2 a.m., 3 a.m., that's when they're coming home. When are you going to sleep to wake up and come to church? Early morning service. So when the person comes there, you, you, I know some of you are here like that. The person is there sleeping. So as the person says, even you put pecs on the, 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 the pecs on the, on the eyelids. Difficult. The night has come. The night has come. So you see that your ministry, are, are you listening to what I'm preaching? Yeah. Look, your fire will go down. Your Christian life will be doused and destroyed because of the person you marry. One great man of God, he said, if you marry the wrong person, more than 70% of your, percent of your life is destroyed. Yes, wrong person. More than 70 So you have to be careful. Know the person. Let the person be your friend. Let, know the person in and out. What he believes. Don't look at the outward. Because the outward will change. It's the attitude of the person. Does he respect his parents? If a person doesn't respect his parents, he won't respect you. Because you, you must have the greatest of respect for your parents. If a person has no respect for his parents, who, who are you? If a girl doesn't respect his parents, now after you see your nakedness and everything about you, Am I teaching something here? Yes. How does a person relate to his pastor? One day somebody was going to get married. A very great person was going to marry. And he was in my office. And then he was, he was talking to a pastor. He literally even got up. Yes, pastor. Yes, please. Yes, please. I saw this man has a fear of God. That even though the pastor was not around, eh? got up and was talking respectfully and this man is a high profile man. High profile. High in society. Respect. One day somebody came to my house and pressed my bell. I don't know whether the person knew whether my bell had a camera or something. The signs and wonders. And when mommy asks the person some question, the person. And the person didn't know that the camera was on her. So mom, we waited after your person has herself has come and done all that she wants to do. Then he said that all that you have been doing, it's on the camera we have seen. Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't. He said, yeah. So, you see, God's camera is on us. Number three. The night comes in the form of old age. In which the energy and life needed for the work of God is simply not there. And every day we are growing. So, so there comes a time you find out that you don't have that much energy. Sometimes the night comes due to sickness, which prevents you from doing the things you love to do. Sometimes you, you fast that now later your system is said that you cannot fast much. The, 
Mm -hmm. Yeah. You develop all kinds of things. Number five. Sometimes, the, the, yeah, five. Number four is sickness. Mm -hmm. Number five. The night comes because you have graduated from a school or a community or an area that you belong to for many years. Let's say you belong to an area, you have moved, for, for, you belong to a school. You graduated from the school. You don't belong to a gay. So your night has come from in that area. You can't go and preach there again. Is that right? You don't have the opportunity. You, or you work at a place. You don't work there again. It's your night season. You lived in a community. You don't live there again. It's your night season. You know, so whilst you are with them, that's the time you have to make the best out of a situation. Are you getting me? Yes. Yeah. Whilst you are there. When I, when, I, when I was doing my national service, I had a lot of young people there. Every day, the class, I, 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 I pray for them and I preach to them. I look for opportunity. By the grace of God, today, many of them have become Christian lawyers and doctors and engineers. Yes. Both in this country and outside the country. Some of them will say that because of this man. One day, I went for old school something. Then somebody pointed to the wife, told the wife, it's because of this man that I study science. It's because of this man that I did. Somebody told mommy, it's because of your husband, I became a doctor. Yeah, was a doctor who was taking care of mommy. When you saw the name, he, she, he became excited. And then he said, then he mentioned, he said, this person is here. He said, that's my husband. He said, it's because of him. That's why I'm a pastor. I'm a doctor. He said, really? He said, you want to see him? And that time I was sitting out there. So when he told me, he became so excited. And I hadn't seen him for years. He said, because of the, he's a Christian. Yeah, Christian. So the people you are preaching today, you see, he could have been an unbeliever doctor. And probably have become a bad doctor. But he's a Christian doctor who prays for his patients and relates well to them. May you be somebody like that. Yeah. Number six. The night comes when you are forced to travel or migrate from a particular country or location. Look at the Syrians, the wars and code that have happened. They can't stay in their country again. Is that right? Yeah. So things happen and people move. So you move away from your community and therefore you cannot be effective again. Migration. And the night comes because of death. Death is a final and inevitable exit for all from the world. And so it's important that whilst we have life to make the best out of our lives. So, so I've mentioned the fact that God calls young people. So whilst you are young, serve the Lord. God also, number nine, calls people who are fearful. Jeremiah 1.8, he said, be not afraid of their faces. For I am with you. you usually, we usually have the fear of the unknown. You know, as I'm going to preach, will people receive my preaching? 
As I, I, if I give my time to serve the Lord, will I still be able to take care of myself and my family? Listen, fear is a demon. So if you follow fear, you are following an evil spirit. Write it in capitals. Fear is a demon. So if you follow fear, you are following a demon. Or an evil spirit. Number 10, God calls people who are in difficult circumstances. Judges chapter 6 verse 13. Judges 6 13. The Bible says, And Gideon said unto him, Oh my Lord, if the Lord be with us, why then is it is this all befalling us? Where be all his miracles which our fathers told us of? Saying, did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us in the hands of the Midianites. Amen. Amen. Sometimes difficult circumstances seem to be a silent message telling us that God is against us. They'll say, if God is for us, why has all this happened to us? It's natural to ask these questions. And you are wondering, if God is against me, why will he call me? But you see, do not let your circumstances stop you from serving God. Circumstances, listen to this and write it. Circumstances are not the voice of God to you. Write it. That's one. You haven't written it. Circumstances are not the voice of God to you. The, the circumstances have a part to play in our lives. But they are not our guiding posts. So the fact that you are going through difficulties doesn't mean God has left you. In fact, in Isaiah 41, he says, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, I am your God. I will help you. I will strengthen you. And I will uphold you with my victorious right hand. And in Matthew 28, he says, Lo, I am with you always. In Isaiah 43, he says that when you go through the fire, I'll be with you. So it means that God has not left you. Sometimes when people are going through difficulty, people say that, oh, God has left them. But he said, when you pass, verse 1, it says that, oh, Isaiah 43, 1. He says that, that's here the Lord that created you, O Jacob. I've, fear not, for I have redeemed thee, and I've called you by name. You are mine. And throw my power when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. The waters there is talking about trouble. So anybody who is passing through the waters, God is with you. Whatever waters that you are going through, God is with you. Financial waters, God is with you. Business waters, God is with you. Marital waters, God is with you. Every difficulty, God is with you. And he says that, 
And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. And when you walk through the fire, you shall not be burnt. Neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. So what God is saying is that whatever the circumstances, I am with you. That is why you don't let the circumstances lead you. The children of God are led by the Spirit of God. Romans 8 14 as many as are led by the Spirit of God they are the sons of God so what you have to do is rather to hear the voice of the Spirit and to trust it than to trust the voice of circumstances sometimes circumstances will tell you that God has failed you God doesn't want you you fail the exams you can't, you can't say, God, uh, so God, God, yeah, you, God, God hasn't called you, go, go nowhere, you, your, your business, you fail, you, God hasn't called you, no, no, well, yeah, Abraham Lincoln kept failing, but he failed forward, and rather ended up becoming the president of uh, United States of America, you will fail forward, the first level, they said you should jump 0.5 meters. You couldn't jump. That's okay. Let them raise you one meter. You may not have made it. But they may raise it to about two meters. And God will stir up some adrenaline inside of you. And you will be able to jump over it. I see you winning. As I see you winning. So don't let your circumstances put you back. God also calls the forsaken. Judges chapter 6 verse 13. Judges 6 13. He said, but now Lord, the Lord has forsaken us and delivers us in the hands of the Midianites. Problems and difficulties do not mean that God has forsaken you. And even if God has forsaken you, obeying the call of God will bring the presence of God back into your life. Tell somebody, follow the Holy Spirit. Then you might have also come from a poor, a poor background, but God calls people from poor family backgrounds. In Judges chapter 6 verse 15, he said, and he said unto him, Oh my Lord, wherewith shall I save Israel? Behold, my family is poor in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. Often time when you come from a rich home, it boosts up your confidence. And because of that, poverty makes you feel on unworthy. Poverty, on the other hand, reduces your self-esteem. But you see, sometimes poor people don't follow the voice of God. What poverty does is that it makes you determined never to be poor. And as you are trying to become rich, you end up rejecting the call of God. I hope you get what I'm saying. You see, and it's true. So you saw your grandfather poor, your father poor, and you see the poverty in Ebobaba. And you say, why should I stay here? So you want to swear, eh? 
I swerve, and as you are trying to do, well, I swerve, as you are swerving, you move far away from the call of God. And that is why some of us, we used to be active in church, we won't come to the church, we won't come to the church services, won't get, get involved in a church meeting, won't do everything because we are following the cities, we are following the dollars, we are following the pound sellers, we are following the euros, we are following a, a husband, we are following. In fact, some of the women even have determined that Charlie, me fear dear, I want to have a man. Oh, here my grand, my my grandmother, oh, my grandfather was poor. I saw how my grandmother was suffering. My mother too. How my father made her suffer. My turn. Oh no, 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 no. We will not marry out of love. We are not married. If he's a Christian. And he's poor, no way. One day, some people were praying in, 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 in second day. And they were praying. And they said, Erasi, men who there? Me pe bring ya. Ofi America. And then, also, Obia. Ofi, Germany. Now, Mark's there. Italy, for our bread. It's Erasi, my uncle, my uncle. Italy for Italy for I've heard that Lord said, "Give me a husband, a man from from uh, from America, a man from Germany, a man from England." But I have learned that those in Italy they are suffering. Let me deliver from that. Some of us, that's what we do. And as they end up moving away from the call of God. Follow the call. The call will let you prosper. Yeah. Follow the call. The call will let you do well. Yeah. If you work for Ghana Commercial Bank and they can pay you and take care of you, how much more God? I have a friend. He told me when you work for his father, had a construction company, 15 years, the man either buys a car for you or builds for you. Yes. If you work for a construction company and they will buy a car for you, a bill for you, because you have been faithful, then when you are faithful to God, He will take care of you, Amen. both on earth and in heaven. I see God blessing you. I see God turning your story around. So if you are poor, don't try to dodge poverty and dodge the work of God. Amen. Amen. And finally, you may be the least in your family. Judges 6, 6 15. He said, I am the least in my father's house. But oftentimes, it's a usual. God calls the youngest, He calls the oldest, and He calls the rejects. Sometimes, God calls the black sheep in the family. The one, the one that was growing up, he didn't seem to be knowing how to talk. He wasn't very handsome. He, di he didn't seem to have any promise. He's the one. A lot of times you see the unacceptable is the one. There's a story of an evangelist that God told that he was going to be a great evangelist in Africa. His father was a pastor. When the boy told his father that God had told me that I'm going to be a great a, 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 an evangelist to Africa, his father said, You? 
Abofrani catch any papa say nyame be mama ya some pet training ke say e wa Africa chromosome you zero wanka she they call him zero your friend of she the family will call him zero because he wasn't doing well in mathematics e busia no mo friend she say say nko nta ne na onyade he wasn't doing well in school and his father pointed to his older brother and said, You will not inherit me, it's this one who will inherit me. Meanwhile, even that guy wasn't saved. Today, whatever God said that that evangelist will become, that young guy became a great evangelist to Africa. So, in your family, you may be rejected, not respected. Is somebody hearing me? But God is going to use you. You will become, you will become a minister. Amen. Amen. Yeah. In, in, my, in my family, I happen to become the first, my immediate family, that, that I remember, that the first pastor, the first to go to university, the first to do many things. Meanwhile, there were other people who seemed to look more prestigious or whatever. I thank God for their lives. But all I'm trying to say is that God decides to choose the rejected, the one who is the oddest, the one who looks like an odd person. God says that I will choose him. So if you are odd, if you, 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 you didn't go to a good school, maybe you, were, you attended Saito. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. I attended Saito, but I became school prefect over people who had gone to international school, Christ the King, St. Teresa's, those days was Christ the King, St. Teresa's, Bishop Bowers, eh? and uh, uh, Mummy School, uh, Tech Primary, you know, Legon Primary, Tech Primary, all those dadabatic kind of backgrounds. Then this guy who, who went to Okotwemi, my <laughs> rumor yeah. Entering this primary school and you know, KNU and all those things, those were the schools. And then going to meet the children of ministers of states. They are all there, big choir. And they choose you that you will be the school prefects. When you stand, you are talking, everybody will put their cutlery down. Everybody stands attention and listening to you. It can only be God. And I came to tell somebody that you may be rejected, you may be the least in your family, but God's hand is upon you. God has selected you. And that is why you don't have to give up. Keep doing the work of God. Keep preaching. Keep serving. Keep singing. Keep singing. Keep singing. Palace prayers. Keep singing. Living voices. Keep singing. Intercessors. Keep praying. Deacons. Keep working. Everybody, keep doing what God has called you to do. Do not give up on it. Keep doing it for your day of reckoning and your day of reward is coming. You don't have forever to do it. So that one day when you can't do it anymore, God will say, come to me, thou good and faithful servant. Ladies and gentlemen, Amen. Amen. May we stand to our feet and say, Lord, Lord, I thank you. I thank you for your mercies. For your mercies in touching me. In touching me and calling me. And calling me. Here am I. Here am I. Anoint me. Anoint me and use me. And use me. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for the many times. For the many times that I tried to turn away. That I tried to turn away from the call. From the call because I felt. Because I felt I was a failure. I was a failure. 
I felt unworthy and rejected. I felt unworthy and rejected. I didn't believe myself. I didn't believe myself. But you still believe me. But you still believe me. I had an inferiority complex. I had an inferiority complex. I failed at earlier attempts. I failed at earlier attempts. In the ministry. In the ministry. I see myself not being eloquent. I see myself not being eloquent. I am young. I am young. I don't see how influential I see how influential I can be. I can be. And I have been fearful. And I have been fearful. That if I go and preach. That if I go and preach. People may not listen to me. People may not listen to me. As I serve you. As I serve you. What will I eat? What will I eat? And so I want a better life. And because of that, and because of that, I've turned away from your call. I've turned away from your call. I've allowed, I've allowed my difficult circumstances, my, my difficult circumstances to lead and influence me. Lead and influence instead me. of being influenced by your word. Instead of being influenced by your word. I think I don't have power. I think I don't have power. I've been forsaken. I've got nothing to offer. I've got nothing to offer. I come from a poor background. I come from a poor background. I'm the least in my family. I'm the least in my family. But despite all these reasons, despite all these reasons, I know you have called me. I know you have called me. So I submit myself to you. And I say, Oh Lord, here am I. Here am I. Give me another chance. And like Caleb. Like that at the age, at the age of, 85, of 85 he said I'm ready give me this mountain oh Lord give me more souls give me this church I will serve you in this church give me your work I will do your work have your way in my life I thank you I praise you and I bless you in Jesus name Amen glory to God glory to God Amen. Uh, tell somebody, don't be led by circumstances. Don't let the poverty lead you. Don't let the poverty lead you. This Sunday morning, who is the one preaching to you? Who is the one preaching to you? Right now, who is the one preaching to you? God is speaking to you through eh? somebody here. Is that right? Good. My mother didn't want me to become a pastor. My mother lived with an uncle who was a pastor, the prophet, the one who spat into my mouth. She knew very well that the prophet had said that this man is going to be a great man of God. But I believe, with the best of intentions, she was looking at the circumstances around him. Maybe things were not financially too good. So I said, I don't want my son to get in there. So my mother didn't want me to become a pastor. In fact, years after even she passed, one of my brothers told me, said that, mom didn't want you to become a pastor. But my, my, on my day of ordination, she was there. And she was very proud. And she said, I had the Archbishop there. Dr. Mason Tabe was there. Dr. Robert Ampiakofi was there. Bishop Ben Anum was there. Senior Bishop James Sao was there. Many of them, all of them. And they laid hands on me. Archbishop Dr. Ampiakofi laid his hands. Dr. Otabil had his own. And then the Archbishop. 
three heavy hands on this my little coconut and with other pastors standing by laying hands on shoulders and whatever and speaking words of blessing and my mother told my father so is it because of our son that all these men of God has assembled earlier on she was looking at her circumstances to say my son shouldn't go in there but God had his way and look at me today preaching to you voices will come to you recently I posted something some of you might have watched it on the archbishop giving a testimony archbishop when he went through his challenges and marriage and other things and everybody at the face in life you go through some challenges he said the whole archbishop he said he became suicidal that means that he wanted to finish his life because of shame because of the things the church the people who who harass symbols and said the most the worst of things are the people in the church we, you the christians and he felt ashamed then he had to go and hide himself somewhere in the U.S. nobody was visiting nobody was minding him and then Bishop T.D. Jakes invited him to come and uh, commission his church, the potter's house. Then he told himself, ah, in this my state, where everybody is laughing at me, how can I be called? Me where God had called him. Amongst the people, see, among all the preachers in America, in the world, God had called him the man from Ghana who had been rejected by us and by the church world because of a difficulty he had and it's not the only person human being who has had difficulty in marriage it's how many people yet when he had his difficulty that's what most people do to men of god turn their backs at you and he felt like look what a shame that i have gone through with all the preaching and everything let me finish myself up let me die let me die that was it so he said he wasn't going to do it but as he prayed, the Spirit of the Lord gave him a nudge and he decided to go and do it. The moment he decided to go and do it, people started calling Bishop T.D. Jakes. Why are you asking that guy to come into a pulpit to come and do the thing you are doing? Don't allow him. Don't allow him. So Bishop T.D. Jakes called Archbishop and said, what is going on? He said, it's the same old story. Whatever I told you is the same thing they are repeating about whatever my issue was. They said, there's no problem. He asked him to come. Then on the day of the commissioning of the church, Archbishop, when he was giving the microphone, said something descended into himself. And he began to pray. The seven minutes of prayer that he prayed, of commissioning, after that, it opened mega doors all over America for people to come to him. He almost threw away the call. I said this just to encourage somebody that you have might have felt ashamed. You might have sinned. You might have done something. And you think that the whole world is against you. You may even think that God has rejected you. Because how can the man of God be there? He said, Your marriage does not work. You are the one to be telling people stuff. And your, your, your marriage doesn't work. You have challenges and all those kind of things. Everybody is against you. Well, so who are you to be the one to go and dedicate? The protest house belonging to the whole Bishop T.D. Jakes. 
but God decided that he was going to use that event to bring about a turn around. And listen to me, your response to the call of God, God is bringing about a turn around in your life. He, he had thought of killing himself. Somebody, you have gone through so much shame and disgrace, you want to finish yourself up. Somebody, you said, I won't come to church again. You see, some people, I know it. Some people don't come to church, not because anybody has done anything. They might have gone through some challenge and you feel that, look, I'm not worthy to come. Or somebody has said something, I'm not going to come. Do not let any voices, no, not let any voices cut you away from the call of God because it's the, the call of God that will bring about the promotion. When you give your little name to God, God will make your name great. Today, if you are here and say, Preacher, I want to give my life to Jesus. I want him to be the Lord and Master of my life. I want to surrender my all unto him. I want my name to be written in the Lamb's Book of Life. I want you to raise your right hand so I can pray with you wherever you are. I did it many years ago, 1977. Calculate. 42 years ago. And I've never regretted. If you have lifted up your hand, come to me. Let me pray with you. Come to me. If you have lifted up your hand, come to me. Gentlemen, come. Come. Don't feel shy. Come. Come to me. Let me pray with you. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Man, As we are singing, sing with us together and say, I surrender. Come on, join them as we sing and say, shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So we're going to pray and lift our hands unto God and I want you to join me to pray this prayer together. Say Heavenly Father, Father, I thank you for loving me and sending your son Jesus Christ to die on the cross for my sake. Lord Jesus, come and save my heart. Be my Lord, my King and my Master. From today, I turn my back to sin and to the world and I embrace Jesus to be my Lord and Savior. Say Satan. Say it again. Satan. Satan. I address you in the name of the Lord. From today, I don't belong to you again. I belong to Jesus. 
Jesus, Jesus is my Lord, and Jesus is my Savior. Amen. Father, thank you for these precious ones. I pray that may they be planted in your house and flourish in your cause. May your grace, your mercy, and your glory be their portion. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Now, come on, give the Lord a hand. My dear friends, I want you to know that the best decision you could ever make is to give your life to Christ. Amen. Anybody who gives his life to Christ, his name is written in the, in the book of eternity. Amen. Where God cherishes you. From today, you have become a child of God. Amen. You don't belong to the problems of your old village. Amen. You belong to God. Amen. And anybody who is in Christ is a new creature. The life of God and the glory of God is your portion. The Lord bless you and the Lord keep you. The Lord use you for Amen. a great works. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Congratulations, sir. Amen. Congratulations, sir. Amen. Congratulations, sir. I like for you guys. Yes, follow the gentleman. Yes, I, I have these parcels for you. God bless you. God bless you, dear. God bless you. Amen. Can you follow this gentleman? We'll take down your details. Give them a hand. Hallelujah. Well, uh, can you take us? Let's receive our. The Lord bless you, and the Lord keep you. The Lord cause His face to shine on you. May the Lord be gracious to you. May He wash your steps with butter. May the week be a beautiful one. May God give you the upper hand. Whatever you should put you down, may it come under you this time. In the name of the Lord Jesus, may you skip like a calf let out of the stall. May you may you scale over every wall, run through your troops. And your hand that is lifted up, may you be declared as the champion. May you win and win and win. May money, good health, favor, peace, and progress be released unto you in Jesus' precious name. Everybody say a big amen.